Hi everyone, and welcome to The Outside Story. My name is Jonathan. I am one of your hosts for um, this Halloween special. Today we'll be talking about, well, I mean, the title of today's episode is Loving the Lovecraft. And uh, so we're going to talk about anything that has to do with H.P. Lovecraft. Well, not just anything. Actually, three three things. I should be more specific here. We're going to be talking about Color Out of Space, which released, I think, a couple years ago. Underwater, which also released a couple years ago, and Lovecraft Country, which is the season finale just happened today. I guess technically yesterday, because this episode's going to come out on Monday. Um, so yeah. Oh uh, wait, wait, real, real quick. I think Underwater came out this year. Oh, did it? Twenty twenty? No, it did. It came out earlier this year. Uh huh. Are you sure? It did. It did because it, <laughs> I remember reading like a Wikipedia article. It said that Underwater was released by Twentieth Century Fox. Mm. Yeah, so it's this year underwater came out this year hmm. 2020 well and uh color space came out last year 2019 <laughs> okay yeah see i have covid brain it just it, everything's covid brain together. covid brain distorts your your perception of time and reality right. just like right. anything related to lovecraft yes exactly <laughs> exactly anyway um why don't we just get started with color out of space uh why don't we talk about just a little bit about lovecraft like why what separates himself hmm. Like, well, why is he almost his own genre? Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you want to talk Compared about that? Like, or do you want yeah, yeah, to talk yeah. about I'll, I'll that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll talk about that, and then we'll talk about Cloud of Space. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, so Lovecraft, I was honestly never a huge fan at first. I only got into it because of the board games. I think we talked about Lovecraft last year, but there weren't really too many works that came out based on his stuff, just because it's so it's, it's so old. It is kind of old. It's really <laughs> old. Like like nineteen like early nineteen hundreds when H. P. Lovecraft came out with all his works. Yeah, he's an author. And, and yeah, and um, when he, when it first came out, he wasn't very popular at all. No one really liked his stuff. <laughs> and then after he he passes away, you know, then he gets big. You know, or like way later down his writing career, he gets more popular um, because of his depictions of really the unknown, the mysteriousness of the things that we encounter of things we can't comprehend and he does that very well with his writing and so uh lovecraft his works is open source so anyone can pretty much use it and write their own stuff with it and there's a lot of board games a lot of games a lot of movies a lot of works based on it but none that were really popular until very recently and as you can tell our three works that we picked here only came out within the like literally the past year or even this year Um, yeah, TV film is is kind of slow mm-hmm. to adapt Lovecraft um, into yeah, something. Yeah, just because they're not so popular. They're not very popular at all. It's very, very niche. Um, and it's very hard to appeal that to a broad audience. Because generally when you make commercial works, you have to appeal to a general audience. But now we're at a point where this is kind of appealing to a general audience. And I think Stranger Things was the first work that you could say was based off of Lovecraft. Or like loosely like inspired by Lovecraft stuff, yeah. so I want to thank Netflix for that because they did that. <laughs> so and since then, people were like, "Oh, this is actually pretty interesting" because it's like you know, it's very um, you have characters that are willing to go uh, beyond their boundaries to do things for uh, things they care about. Um, they fight off like big conflicts, bigger than them, bigger than themselves to uh, you know for the ones that they love. So that's what these three films pretty much are kind of related to so that's why we're talking about them so our first film is color out of space which came out last year in 2019 i think it premiered at an international film festival and then uh, i think it released in theaters earlier this year but color out of space is a film about a a small family in i want to say like a farm cottage ish a little off ways by a lake countryside and eastern part of the united states and uh this family recently (laughs) had like some kind of asteroid or something that crash lands into their property and it starts affecting the area and the water around them uh and so it's pretty much a story of how this little meteorite affects this family and it pretty much drives them insane and this meteorite does some really crazy stuff things that you would never imagine or could imagine do happen um and some pretty freaky stuff happens so that's pretty much the gist of color out of space the color out of space i want to say is very true to the works of Lovecraft. The way Lovecraft sets up his work is that it's very like depressing. It's very mysterious, paranormal, not even paranormal. Actually, it's almost like alien. Paranormal is sort of like tension 
but there's no tension here. Not really. It's more like uh, it touches another aspect of horror that other stories can't. Um, and that's what Lovecraft is good at. And this film does a very good job at portraying that. And so I guess one of the big things I love about this film is uh, its color. It's called. It's called. <laughs> it's color, I guess. Cause, uh, uh, okay. Um, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna nerd out here. Okay, just a little bit on Lovecraft stuff. So, Color Out of Space is based off a short story that Lovecraft wrote, and the idea is that this thing that crash lands on Earth, like you don't know what color it is, or you can't tell what color it is because it's a, it's a color that we don't have. Yeah, it's like a brand new color. And this film does a very good job at, like, just showing that with its, like, visuals. It's, like, you look at it, you're, like, it's kind of pink, kind of blue, kind of something, you know? You don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's just, it's color, what it is. Like, it's almost like we can't comprehend it. That's what this film does very well. It, it takes advantage of that. Like, knowing that that's its origin, it's going to ta- start showing its aesthetics through that. What did you think of Do the you film? Have <laughs> What did I think? Of yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, uh, you, yeah, you summarized like it. So, I did. Yeah, I like this color. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I liked it a lot. It is definitely not a film that's kind of like for everyone because it's very depressing. <laughs> I want to say it is very depressing. Yeah, but it is horror, but, so yeah, it falls into the yeah. the vein of horror. So, for people who like mm-hmm. horror, it's definitely something to watch. You know. I like it because also the way it's character driven. A lot of the characters have their own things to deal with as they kind of go through the story. Like in this film, Nicolas Cage is like an alcoholic. And I think the one part that we started laughing at Jonathan was when the news reporters were interviewing him, like the the headline under him said that he was an alcoholic dealing with being interviewed or something <laughs> like not, 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 not like a farmer who was trying to take care of like right, who's raising animals, right. but he, they called him an alcoholic. He was like, I'm not an alcoholic or, or something similar to that. Yeah. Um, that's what Nicolas Cage's character was going through. All these little things kind of just start building up and start affecting them and come out way more because, uh, the asteroid that hits them the interesting thing about like the the villain or like the evil thing that comes from outer space is that it tries to combine itself with everything like it'll latch onto something and it'll try to make that something like itself and then when it does that then it kind of destroys the thing in the process you know i've heard that this film is kind of analogous to the idea of gentrification like the idea Mm -hmm. that Um, The alien is this outside force that comes in. It tries to make everything like itself, but then everything dies in the process of of it trying to make it, you know, make make things like itself. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for those of you who are not familiar, gentrification is basically when like really rich people or businesses going into poorer neighborhoods and trying to open businesses there and like the process of that drives out the poorer folks and usually it's people of color who are affected by this and so everything like the prices of things get raised coffee gets really expensive you know like things like that you know um and then even beyond that too like communities that are typically there based on something like for example like a church that is there could also be pushed out because all of its people who it's serving is basically moving out of that neighborhood because things are getting too expensive i've heard that that's kind of like a part of it and and there's a there's a character Mm -hmm. in color out of space a side character he is like this water inspector person and he's the one who doesn't get affected by anything he's like the final girl of the of the uh of the of the film Mm -hmm. where he lives to the end and then like doesn't die um so I think that that's interesting. It's a well-told story. And if you like horror, I think you would enjoy it. Beautiful cinematics and use of color is really, really good. Other than that, mm-hmm. I thought it was just kind of good. You know, it wasn't amazing, but it was good. I guess we can move on to our next film. Yeah. Underwater. Yeah. Underwater is a story about there are these companies that are trying to drill into the ocean to, I don't know, find out what's there, I guess. And it follows this woman who works in one of those underwater like drill headquarters. And basically things start to go to crap. The headquarters is starting to collapse within itself. And as you kind of follow her and her journey through like finding her co-workers I guess they kind of had to come up with an escape plan to try to get back to the surface um from 
way, way, way deep down below the sea. And for some people, deep ocean is very scary. For me, it's not that scary. I mean, it's scary, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you you need to play a game then where it's like... <laughs> like Soma? Where you have to start... Like, no, no, no. Like, like any kind of open world game that makes you swim Was really, Subnautica? really deep. Was it Subnautica? Is that one? Yeah, Sub- Subnautica is one of them. I've never touched <laughs> that game. <laughs> yeah, um, my old roommate used to play Subnautica. Yeah, I mean, it's not that scary to me. But at the same time, like, I don't spend time out in the ocean. I don't go scuba diving, you know? That's not for me. I agree that it's scary, right? Like, this vastness idea that there's you don't know what's down there and stuff like that. Um, and underwater is very subtly Cthulhu and subtly Lovecraft compared to everything else um, that we're talking about in this episode. I don't know. I thought overall the story for Underwater was just fine. You know, it was it was a fine mm-hmm. thriller. So for people who like thriller movies, this is a pretty good one. I wouldn't say it's really horror. Would you say it's horror? No, it's definitely more like sci-fi thriller yeah than sci-fi horror and then like the creepiness of like being underwater the entire time is also looming over you right so like if you're afraid mm-hmm. of uh, being underwater then it's definitely something that is would be really scary for you i think there are moments for the movie itself where it could have gone a little deeper with the main character for example she has a fiance who died due to a scuba diving accident and there's not much exploration there of her own grief which is a little unfortunate and then uh, there's also stuff going on with, like, the the captain of the team that's trying to get out. And I wish that was explored a little bit, too, but it wasn't. <laughs> what did you yeah. think, Larry? It, it, it had a lot of good setup. Like, great yeah. setup. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, the writers of the team, they were, like, they read, they've written out this long, vast biography for all of them. Yeah. But they decided not to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that, it would have been nice if, if they told us. Um, yeah. Because I think it would, because to be honest, there's nothing else really to this film. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? There's nothing, there's nothing really else because like, it, um, if you don't have great characters or whatever, like you don't, not every story needs to have like a great character setup moment, whatever. Right, right. right. But you need something else to like counter that, you know, like yeah. to make up for that. Um, So you would think that maybe cra- crazy alien stuff would happen, like that's underwater. But like, no, like all we get is like, besides what, what we pretty much uh, right. talked about they had very good visual effects for like it's like for being underwater because like it's obvious they didn't really film underwater you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) like like you can't go underwater you can't go under an ocean and film there you know what i mean the pressure's gonna destroy the cameras but (laughs) they also did a really good job with like its sound design too it does make you feel very muffled like you're actually really in it yeah um so but i think like those things weren't that big of an impact to be able to counteract that the story was kind of bleh <laughs> just was kind of bleh and definitely had a lot of missed opportunities for characters yeah um yeah a, a, a yeah. good a good film to compare it with is uh in my opinion is ad astra because like for ad astra all the setup is there and and then it dives in right um mm-hmm. <laughs> funny uh punny it dives in <laughs> um but as for like underwater like it sets it all up and then it just ends you know like it would have been really interesting if they found her fiance or something you know because yeah. then that would have mm-hmm. given her a harder moment at the end of the film where she easily was going to sacrifice herself to save her crewmates but then if she had found her fiance or something like that that would have been like oh crap mm-hmm. what do i do now you know right like maybe like hearing a transmission or like a letter right. or whatever right from her fiance right yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah yeah but that's just me I'm not going to think too much about the story because I'm not going to rewrite it. So. <laughs> yeah, but but like like we said, definitely a lot of good opportunities, but yeah. uh, completely missed. But the director, uh, William Eubank, he actually has done a lot of other sci-fi stuff too. Or his two previous films were sci-fi stuff. So he's very familiar with the genre, how it works. So I think visually he was the right person for it. But I think maybe story-wise could have used some work. So mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Lovecraft Country started earlier this year. No, not earlier this year. Yeah, like 10 summer, weeks ago. Because yeah, <laughs> I would say 10 weeks ago because an episode came out each <laughs> each week for Lovecraft Country. There's 10 episodes. Uh, it is a story that follows a young man named Atticus. He goes and tries to find his father because uh, his father disappeared for for some unknown reason and so he feels obligated to go and find him 
he never had the best relationship with his father, but he he decides to go and find him. And then he travels with his uncle, like his father's brother, his uncle, uh, and another young lady named Letitia. Yeah, childhood friends. And they, cha- oh, are they? Oh yeah, they are childhood. Mm-hmm. Well, they are childhood friends. They they knew each other in childhood, but I don't think they were childhood friends. No, they were childhood were they? friends. Oh, they were. Yeah. Okay, I totally missed that detail then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completely missed that detail then. Um, but so they they go and try to find his father, and he has probably gone to the county of Artem. Oh no, Devon County. Artem is in Devon County. That's where they're going. That's where they're going. They encounter a lot of racism because this takes place during the 1960s, mid 1950s to 1960s, and it was in the not the height, but at the very very early stages of the civil rights movement. How this all relates to Lovecraft? Well, once they get to Devon County, a lot of crazy stuff starts <laughs> starts happening. They start to get they start getting chased by these alien creatures called Shogoths. And they start encountering this crazy cult called the Order of the Ancient Dawn, and all this crazy stuff that Atticus has the the blood of this old high ancient priest, yeah. sorcerer, high priest, magician, <laughs> the Braithwaite uh, bloodline. He has that bloodline, so he's the only one who can, <laughs> who can, who has the ability to stop the craziness that's going on yeah. in this county, or pretty much in in the city that that he he's in. And y'all, that's just the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just explained the first episode. Yeah. But they do eventually do find the father and they go back to Chicago. Um, and that's where the rest of the series takes place. And like the way they encounter like more of the bloodline, more history, more background. It just feels like this crazy mystery detective kind of story. Yeah. Yeah. The overarching story is that the the daughter of the priest of the Order of the Ancient Dawn she's trying to achieve immortality and to do that she needs to find these pages that were stolen from the spell book and she's trying to gather all the components for the spell and stuff like that and in the meanwhile like Atticus and his family and his um and his friends they all get caught up in all this crap as this is mm-hmm. all happening and he's discovering things yeah it's hard to start with this <laughs> like with, yeah with, because it, it is it's it's so it's so like um it's so packed with a lot of things so i don't really know <laughs> each episode is almost self-contained yeah like, you don't need to watch any other episode well you you should but but there's so much stuff that happens in each episode that it, it's there enough to be like its own tv season yeah yeah. You know what I mean? Like, each episode has has enough material to be its own season. Like, we mentioned the first episode or two. Like, that can be its whole entire season. Yeah. But it's yeah. not. And they decided to run more with it. Right. Run, run and touch on the other stuff. Yeah, when when, when I was watching it, I, I thought that the when they got to, like, the house and when they found, like, the Order of the Ancient Dawn, I thought that was going to mm-hmm. be the entire first like the entire season you know mm-hmm. um you know if it was a cw show it'd probably be the entire season <laughs> or if it was the walking but this dead is a- yeah but this is hbo they don't play around when they got money they're gonna throw it at they're gonna throw it at oh them man and make sure it's good you know that's exactly what they did yeah and i'm really glad hbo picked it picked the show up. yeah yeah um just a couple things i guess from me and then larry you could talk through some of your notes and stuff too um, one of the things that struck me, and, and, and I was talking to this with one of my friends who I was watching it with, was that Atticus is a very, very avid reader. He reads a lot of, like, books and novels, and so does the rest of his family. Like, his Uncle George mm-hmm. um, has... His, his Uncle George's favorite novel is Dracula, and then his dad's favorite novel is The Count of Monte Cristo. And so they're like a reading family, and, and they read books and stuff like that. And, and it kind of threw me off at first that... That, that people of color were reading like in a TV show, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because we never see people of color reading. <laughs> and so right. like when I saw it, I was, I was a little thrown off at first, but then I thought about it and I was like, I mean, you know, like I'm a person of color and I have a master's degree, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. I also have friends who are people of color and, and they read and they, so it's like, what's the problem? And it's because, Again, like Hollywood likes to portray people of color in a certain light and um, reading books and reading novels is not one of those perspectives, you know. And so Mm -hmm. it was really nice to see 
people of color reading books because that's what we do. We read books, you know what I mean? So yeah, just there's like little things like that in Lovecraft Country that I just really appreciate. Jordan Peele is an executive producer on this TV show and I feel like you can kind of tell comparing it to like Get Out and Us. It just kind of feels like that. But yeah, is there anything just overall that you want to talk about before I start talking about specific episodes? I just want to add that if you like historical fiction, sci-fi, and horror, and good character and drama, like, you're going to love this show. This show packs all of that. Yeah. Like, all of that into it. Kind of like, imagine if, like, Jonathan mentioned Lovecraft Country is, like, Get Out and Game of Thrones. And I want to throw in also Get Out, Get Out Game of Thrones stranger things terror um, infamy. man in the high castle terror <laughs> infamy that, that 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 sort of like blend if you grab all those shows and put them in a blender you're gonna get lovecraft country because there's a lot of nods to like historical events and historical figures yeah. as well there's even some cameos for for guest roles of of those of those um, historical figures which unfortunately i don't know too much about 1950s and 1960s america yeah. um yeah, thanks school. You didn't teach me anything. Because um. <laughs> like we just know Doctor Martin Luther King, and that's it. And yeah, he came yeah, on like, later. That's it. Mm-hmm. Or like Rosa Parks. Like that's it. Those are the only two figures. But then this show talks about everyone else too, who was part of like this, uh, right. This particular movement, right. and who was who like all the historical events that led up to it. Um, and so if you're a huge avid of that, and you want to see how those stories affect the people who are living during that time. Definitely. Definitely. This show has that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, since you had mentioned it, like Emmett Till, who is a, a young man who was murdered, um, I think in 1955, I think there's a story arc that has to do with him. I didn't know that Emmett Till was a real person who existed. I thought it was just kind of like a story, but then um, my roommate who I'm, I was watching this TV show with, um, he was like, Oh no, Emmett Till's real. And I was like, Oh crap. You know, shows how much I know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then also the we we both didn't know that the Tulsa race massacre was also a thing um, that happened in mm-hmm. 1912, I believe. That also is also like a historical event that they put a narrative to in in the mm-hmm. in, in the show. And I thought that was really good place to learn again because you know we don't learn these things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't we don't learn these things at all. Yeah, w- and I want to say it was 1921. Cause I actually I looked cause like I really liked the ending credits song for that for that oh, episode. Yeah? I had I had to look up that song. They made an opera based on that. Oh. Um, and it said 1921, I think. Oh yeah, yeah it is 1921. 19, I got the yeah, last two yeah, dates. The last two numbers mixed up. Um, yeah, 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 so yeah. it is 1921. Mm-hmm. You're correct. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 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 you said, John. Like, I had no idea like it that happened. Mm-hmm. Either they completely erased it from history. Because 1920s, we hear about Roaring Twenties. You know what I mean? Right. The Twenties were such a great grand old time. Everyone was just loving each other, Mm-mm. Great Gatsby style. Nope. But no, not not in Tulsa. Nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> so yeah. like I didn't know that. I really didn't know yeah. that. So I feel like all these little things yeah. that this is why I'm such a huge fan of historical dramas or historical fiction. It's because there's a lot of things that but we don't know. People people just don't talk about at all yeah because it's like they don't want to talk about it just sweep it under the rug but like no like this stuff is pretty important and this is a terrible event that occurred right right yeah in 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 this case is is one of those things that we don't want to talk about because it reveals the racist history of america you know um Mm -hmm. same thing with uh with terror infamy when we were when we were you know um reviewing that and talking about that it's just it's, it's just a part of America that people don't want to remember, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. so people, people don't talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But besides that, that's all I had to add. So okay. if you want to start talking about specifics. Yep. Yeah. So um, the episodes that I enjoyed the most out of all the 10 that came out were episodes three, six, and eight. Episode three is a episode entitled Holy Ghost. And it is a combination of things. It's a combination of Letitia, the childhood friend. She is trying to get through her PTSD from everything that happened in the first two episodes. Because essentially she gets shot, she dies, and then she comes back to life. And Mm -hmm. so because of that, she kind of has this moment where she's trying to like figure out what's going on with her life and stuff. And so she like searches for like faith in God. And then she also like 
is trying to do a whole bunch. She's trying to become like this badass, you know, woman basically, um, mm-hmm. which uh, she ends up buying a house in in the north side of Chicago, which is the white people side. And she fixes up the house, and then stuff goes down, and she realizes her house is freaking haunted because there was this um, professor who basically stole black bodies and experimented on them and killed them and those black folks who died in the house were haunting the house and also the the professor who did all those stuff he also died and is haunting the house and so i think it's it's a really interesting thing because there's a combination of like all this sort of black spiritual stuff happening right in Mm-hmm. in the in the redemption and reconciliation of the house like at the end basically they try to exercise and deliver all the ghosts out of the house and they get this um Haitian woman to come and do like voodoo magic um which is actually mm-hmm. it's like a really funny scene cuz she like brings this goat and then she like <laughs> slits its throat and then like dips her hand in the blood and like puts a mark on their foreheads and stuff like that it's really funny mm-hmm. um <laughs> and then after that happens i mean they kind of successfully you know like summon yeah. the ghost of of the white person but leading up to this Letitia does research and she realized she finds out the names of all the black folks who died and so when they get to the house and they're trying to deliver the evil white ghost out of the house he possesses atticus and then he kills the Haitian woman. And Letitia's by herself. And she's like, I, I can't do this by myself. I can't exercise and deliver this ghost on my own. So what she does is she calls the names of every single black person who died in that house. And then she yells out, like, like I need you. You're not dead yet. I think that that was, like, one of the most powerful moments in the entire show. Because... Um, it's one, it's a nod to the say their name movement that's happening right now in the United States where people like Breonna Taylor and George Floyd are dying, um, due to, um, racism and, and white oppression. And, um, and so like, it's, it's a nod to that saying that like, even though these people are dead, there's still power in saying their names because it invokes something within us. It invokes some sort of thing that gives them power, you know, that gives us power to overcome mm-hmm. the thing that's happening to us now. I think that's very, very, very powerful. It's a little over the top and dramatic for in terms of like exorcism scenes go, you know what I mean? But like yeah. the heart of it is the idea of like reconciliation, in my opinion. And by reconciliation, I mean like the black ghosts were kind of seen as evil and mischievous and stuff like that. But then at the end, they come and they help Letitia. Like, they help her kind of get rid of the evil white ghost. And then they also end up leaving the house, you know, after that. They don't haunt the house anymore after that. And so maybe that is what they needed was to be remembered, you know. Um, mm-hmm. In the case of, like, a like a Japanese ghost story, like, if they were Yude, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like they, they need that fulfillment, you know, that they're mm-hmm. not forgotten, that they've kind of gone before and and almost made a sacrifice you know and 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 it's Mm -hmm. it was like a very unwilling sacrifice right did you want to say anything about episode three i fairly enjoyed it i thought um it's just it's just because we're playing phasmophobia now it just feels like (laughs) great timing (laughs) it talks about a haunted house and trying to exercise it (laughs) oh man yeah totally totally um but yeah, I remember the first jump scare when like, Letitia was sleeping. You see like the hand over yeah. the bed. I was like, oh man, I knew it. I knew that house was haunted. <laughs> Just looking at the house, you were like, girl, are you serious? You bought this house? Mm-hmm. It looks hella haunted, you know? And then I'm just going to move on to the next to the next episode that I want to talk about. Episode six um, is um, an episode about this character named Ruby. Ruby is Letitia's sister and Ruby for a very, very long time has been struggling with like trying to get a good, decent job and she can't get, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh, episode five, episode six is Jiha. Oh, episode five is Ruby. Well, shoot. Yes. yes episode five. then. <laughs> but episode six yeah, is sorry, also good. Cause deal. I want to, episode six is, is good too. I, mean, I also yeah, want to talk but... about episode six, but anyway, episode five, Ruby for a very long time has been trying to get a job and a lot of crap happens but the gist of it is that she ends up taking this magic potion that lets her turn into a white woman 
and she turns into a white woman and she gets a job at the um at the department store that she's been wanting to get a job at like instantly you know without even having to do anything and from then on just that that kind of gives the character ruby a little bit more like of a backbone <laughs> punny um to like uh, like uh, of a story and that kind of like pushes her um to do that but the interesting thing about this potion is that when you take it um it's very painful the process of transforming and metamorphosizing to like uh, to to be in someone else's skin and when you shed the skin it's very graphic and very gross like the skin literally <laughs> falls off of you yeah and so like when i saw this i was like oh my god this crap this is so crazy what is happening you know <laughs> who doesn't like imagine what it's like to live life in someone else's body right but what this episode does is um, it just twists that in a very, very dark way that, that there are consequences and that it's painful to do stuff like that, basically. I also like that episode just because it's like, it's an idea that's always been kind of like in my head too. something about like, I guess the example I could think of is like, uh, there's a really old, I want to say, I call it old now. It's not that old. <laughs> it's a sci-fi film called Gattaca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, um, that like is released old. in the 90s. Yeah. I would say that's old. In the 90s, yeah. 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 <laughs> released in the 90s, it talks about, like, bioengineering your kid, or, like, w- while it's still, like, developing to be whatever it is yeah. you want it picking to be. Picking and like, choosing. Yeah, picking and choosing its genetics and how well it's doing. And I thought about, you know, what if, like, you could, like, pick your own race? Like, but, like, is that even a thing you would even want to do or think of or desire? Yeah. And then this episode pretty much uh, takes that kind of concept and kind of puts it in front of us and uh it it was it was a really good moment too for ruby Mm -hmm. because uh, a lot of like eye opening even if you do change your race it doesn't solve the problem in fact it it just kind of opens your eyes to even more problems so it doesn't solve anything really um and so that's 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 what i think yeah we don't want to spoil too much that's why we're kind of being very vague but uh it's it's a very it's a (laughs) very very good episode yeah but uh very graphic okay so when we say game (laughs) of thrones like imagine game of thrones but like but like see game of thrones is almost like 10 years old (laughs) i'm talking about it's 2020 now so you know they're gonna amp up their game and that's what this like episode 5 was a big turning point to me i was like oh my god like (laughs) they are not kidding hbo is not holding back like if you don't think they're gonna go there they go on and go there yeah episode 5 was freaking crazy yeah insane off 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 the hook i mean that later episodes get crazy too but this one i'm like oh man like can you i would say episode six is pretty crazy too episode six when atticus was in the korean war he was a he's a korean war veteran he stayed at this i call it a small town it's not a small town (laughs) it's like the fourth biggest town in korea called uh daegu and um here he meets a woman named jia and she's like a nurse who who works there and jia episode six is all about jia jia is a nurse who is actually a kumi a, a kumiho or like a, a nine-tailed fox spirit basically um and it was funny because i remember in the title cards of each each episode yeah right of, of of the the lovecraft country um like episode screen like they usually show the the title name of the episode and then like a symbol or something that kind of represents yeah. the whole episode and but this one was in hangul it was in korean so i i, I read it i was like wait what <laughs> i was like <laughs> so i read it but i didn't know what it was like i could read it but i didn't know what it was i i, I actually you translated it in, in like a i translated it into, <laughs> into the korean dictionary i was like i can read it but i don't know what it is and then it translated as nine tail fox spear i was like oh that's what that's what it meant I was like, yeah, that that totally. I didn't. I wouldn't say it spoiled the entire episode for me, but yeah, I knew what was coming essentially. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, um, I, I I figured it out in the first um like the first time she brings a man home. I'm just like, oh no, she's a, she's a she's a fox spirit. I know she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and a little fun fact: the first man she brings home was Ando. <laughs> and, uh, Ando is from uh, from Heroes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he was a uh, hero sidekick. Um, hero's friend yeah. yeah sidekick friend and so i was like wow it's really great to see him because i've never seen him it's been a long time since i've seen him on screen yeah. um and, and he is korean as well so yeah. what i found this episode interesting i mean it talks a lot about the korean war and how the um and how i guess america's oc- occupation of 
like them taking sides with the Korean War, helping them out, kind of affects the inhabitants of Korea during that time. But what I found really interesting was that Jia was like a fan of like American cinemas mm. or like American films. Yeah. Like she loved musicals. So I was like, wow, like that's really interesting because like just how like like. I mean, it's not that we love Hmong films. We, like, we don't love Hmong films, right? But, like, I'm saying, like, we love, like, our, our, that's why we have this podcast. We have, we love the shows that we watch, uh, and we love, like, like, we love, like, Chinese wuxia, Chinese, you know, yeah. Chinese fantasy, all that stuff. And, like, just kind of goes to show that, you know, you don't really have to, like, be a part of anything to really love a story, you know, mm-hmm. or of something else, of where it originates. It doesn't matter. Um, and, like, when she was watching, like, those American films, it was always just be her. And, like, maybe another couple or a few people. It'll just be her. No one else is interested in it. But she loved it to death, yeah. you know? Um, so I found that really interesting. I didn't know why they did that. But I was like, add a little more to her character. Um, but basically, the whole episode is Jia trying to find men to bring home so she can consume a hundred of their souls. So that way, Jia can become a human again. And it talks upon, like, the cultural aspects of what it means to, like, be Korean around those times. And at that point, you know, uh, Jia's mom just had, um, was, was is a widow, and Jia needs to bring someone home. needs to needs to be married. Otherwise, you know, she's not gonna really be, I guess, a part of society. So that's kind of what they focus on. And yeah, and I, I want to say it's something that even like a lot of like Asian Americans are kind of struggling with too. You know, when it comes to like bringing someone home, starting a family, like wanting to like please your parents but at the same time like knowing that it's not really something you want you know yeah. and it touches upon that and i i really really like that and i guess another thing i want to add is um there's an interview with jamie chung the the actress who plays jia and when she was reading the parts or doing the parts for for jia jia asked misha green the showrunner like oh how is this gonna help atticus how is this gonna um how is this gonna improve or like like you know enhance atticus's story mm-hmm. And then Misha Green replies and says, no, like, don't think of it like that. Think of it as your story. Like, like don't think that mm. you're trying to help someone else's story. Think of it as this is your story. Yeah. This is Jihad's story. And that really changed the way I thought of, like, what it meant to, like, write side characters. Or what it meant, what, what side characters are supposed to yeah. be, you know? Side characters, like, as, like, creators, when we write side characters, that is kind of what we think. Because ideally, yes, they should help the main character with, like, in terms of, like, uh, either foils or enhance their personalities or what not, yeah. but like here it's like no, like they're still their own breathing characters. Like they're the main characters in their own stories, right. you know, right. like just not in the story you're telling. Yeah. And so I, that got me really thinking, like you know, that's actually a great way to look at like writing and writing characters. So I'm yeah. like, wow, that totally like blew my mind. Yeah, and so. and and that's why she got like a whole episode to herself, you know, just mm-hmm. about Gia. Yeah. Um that mm-hmm. that story wasn't even told from Atticus's point of view. It was told from Gia's point of view, which which yeah. I also really enjoyed. I also feel like, you know, in addition to that conversation, I feel like Gia is kind of almost like the perfect or at least she's the only character in the entire show that is anything as close to an ally is for Atticus and his family and his friends, you know? It's true that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they did have a thing and they had a relationship, but even after that, like, um, like she was willing to help, you know? Like, literally mm-hmm. no questions. Like, she was kind of like, you know, um, like, what do you need? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to do it. Mm-hmm. And she went there knowing that bad things were going to happen, you know? But mm-hmm. she still decided to do it and to go because that is what they needed. But again, I think like to have like a white ally in this TV show would kind of defeat the purpose <laughs> of of right. the story because uh, it has so much to yeah. do with racism. And I'm not going to talk mm-hmm. more about that. You'll have to watch it for yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. The final episode that I wanted to talk about was episode eight. The episode with um, it's called Jigabobo. This is the episode that has to do with Emmett Till and um, kind of like the like the black community mourning him during this time. And more specifically, it deals with the with one of the characters. Her name is Dee or Diana. She's the daughter of George and Hippolyta Freeman and cousins with Atticus. And she's younger. She's basically like a preteen teenager, right? I don't Mm -hmm. remember how old she is exactly. In this, it's probably the creepiest episode in the entire 
TV show. I would say that, like, in terms of horror, yes, it's horror, but episode eight is the scariest (laughs) out of all of them. (laughs) Because Dee gets cursed by this white man. He uses this magic on her and curses her. And she starts to see this, like, these two little girls. It's based off of a character from Uncle Tom's Cabin called Topsy. And Topsy is kind of seen as this, like, in Uncle Tom's Cabin, she's kind of seen as, like, the sort of how the white man would see a little black girl and so topsy and then kind of like there's two versions of her for some reason topsy and bopsy start to kind of haunt d and they like do these sort of like creepy like they dance and then they like do cartwheels and stuff like that and they look scary Mm -hmm. af and it was like the episode that like my roommate was basically (laughs) he was like ready to uh you know uh, run away and jump out the window uh because it was it was so scary um and yes it was scary i I really enjoyed that episode um just because of the scare factor in it like it was just kind of oh yeah this is scary and then also Mm -hmm. again like the historical event of um of the murder of Emmett Till. I liked that episode and it was scary. Um and and yeah, I, I liked it yeah, too. Yeah, that that was one of the episodes that I did a little bit of research on cuz I was like who the heck are these ghosts that are following <laughs> Diana? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I swear Jordan Peele had his hand a lot more in this episode <laughs> only because those two little ghosts that follow uh, Diana are has like us vibes yeah. you know the, the film us um yeah that's what it reminded me of like when I saw them when they were like moving I was like I was like hell that? no <laughs> hell to the no I am out of here <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that, that's what I thought when when I saw it. I was like, "Heck no, girl! You better get out of there." Yeah, I mean, other than that, I I thought it was a phenomenal show. Like, I don't really want to ruin it mm-hmm. too much, um, or talk about it too much. Um, but I mean, me me and my roommate, we just wa- finished watching it, and we were talking about it a little bit. Um, he had some thoughts too, which I'm not going to name because, um, you know, like. Uh, those are kind of his thoughts. Um, he gave me free artistic license to use it, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I guess this is the one thing that I'll say from our conversation and, and I'll quote him in Lovecraft, right? There's normally this elder God that they're all trying to fight in a color out of space. It is literally color out of space. Like that's the elder God that they're trying to fight and underwater. It's Cthulhu. And in Lovecraft country, it's racism. And so, like, the idea that, like, racism is the elder god that is trying to enforce itself upon, you know, the people and, like, and the earth, basically. Um, and these right. these group of people, Atticus and his friends and his family, are trying to fight against that elder god, you know? And they do all they can. They steal spell books and they learn how to cast spells mm-hmm. and, you know, they do all these things to try to get rid of the elder god. Um and and in in a sense Christina Braithwaite being sort of that priestess of the elder god, you know, um, trying mm-hmm. to find immortality for herself. Yeah, there's also that oh, there's just so much, you know. There's like the right. notion of like of magic in this is also very very interesting too because it was interesting how like like in one of the episodes like the antagonist tries to get into Letitia's house but it was already it was already protected by the Haitian <laughs> the Haitian's voodoo yeah. magic it stops them yeah from getting it's in. like oh shoot and so you better you better back yeah. off <laughs> yeah yeah so so it's like all these little little things just kind of yeah. um, blend in with each other you yeah. know but we just have different names for them right um, right. And yeah. it's interesting how like how white people have this magic, right? And mm-hmm. um and it was passed down to Atticus and his family. It's it's normally a magic that is like passed on through blood, right? Through like mm-hmm. through like uh, inheritance, you know. But mm-hmm. um the power that comes from this magic uh, is given to Atticus and his family because his great, 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 great grandma was a slave and was pregnant with the slave owner's child. And it was because of that, that, sh- that they were able to get magic for themselves, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think that's a very interesting critique to kind of like black people having an ownership, you know, in the power 
that white people have. It comes up again and again and again through like the Tulsa race massacre and and all that stuff. It's like, it's like, oh, we don't want black people to have this power. So we got to get rid of it somehow. It's already in Atticus in them. You know what I mean? Like it's already Mm -hmm. in them. Like you can't take it away. You know, you mentioned how like in Arkham lore, usually you fight like an elder God, Mm -hmm. right? In those scenarios, like the elder God is the one who kind of manipulates and drives people to do things for for this elder god yeah. right and then here it's like the elder god is racism and then in elder gods in lovecraft lore are so hard to comprehend like we can't even understand it we can't even comprehend it we just see its effect and that's pretty much what they're that's what they're making the comparison to racism racism yeah. is so hard to comprehend you can't exactly explain it but you know it's there it exists and we need to do something about it basically yeah that that's that's what they're trying to make the comparisons to and see like most Lovecraft lore takes place in like the 1920s and uh from what I can remember like race isn't really something they talk about just because the elder gods like their conflicts are so great that it almost kind of transcends racism but now you have Lovecraft country based on you know and you make it take place in the 1960s so now you got all these elder gods to worry about and racism, racism that's just like totally ups the ante way more you know yeah the, the um so the interesting thing is that lovecraft is actually pretty racist i think they had mentioned it in in the first or second episode that lovecraft had written a poem and the poem is called on the creation of n-words i'm not gonna say the n-word basically he wrote that really yeah, he wrote it that's terrible i know it's terrible <laughs> ter- freaking terrible um it's, terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just i'm just it's real short so i'll just read it when long ago the gods created earth in jove's fair image man was shaped at birth the beasts for lesser parts were next designed yet they were too remote from humankind to fill the gap and join the rest to man the Olympian host conceived a clever plan. A beast they wrought in semi-human figure, filled it with vice, and called the thing a N-word. Um, so he's basically saying, like, white people, animals, and then in order to fill the gap, the gods took animals, formed it with humankind, and made black people. And it's terrible. You know, it's like Lovecraft is super racist. And so to have this be that is addressing racism is like ironic in and of itself. Right. One last thing that I'll say, kind of wish that this ended with an epilogue because it kind of just ends and that's it. I kind of want to see what happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. you know, I want them to do like a five years later or like a 10 years later when George Jr., you know, is born and they live life with him trying to tell him the story of his family. I think didn't have an epilogue. It makes it imply they're setting up for a season two. Yeah. Because they, they don't call this a series finale. They call it a season finale. Oh, they did? Uh-huh. It's called a season finale. So I think yeah. they are going to make another season. Um. I'm not really too sure what they'll talk about, but yeah. there's still plenty of stories to talk about for sure. Yeah. But um, it's really hard to beat Atticus as a main yeah. main character, though. I can I, tell you that. He's a really good main character. I, I could imagine them like continuing on with that family, right? But then putting mm-hmm. in stories from like um, the civil rights movement with like Dr. King and and Malcolm X mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I could definitely see yeah. that. Being L- like, like during the actual civil yeah. rights well, movement, not not like the not like the pre-build. Right. We'll it. actually see Rosa Parks mm-hmm. and be like, hey, we know who Rosa Parks is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I liked this show a lot. It's um very real, very raw in terms of how they portray racism. Uh like those scenes were always the roughest to get through. Um, and on top of the graphic gory scenes, <laughs> um, yeah, because there's a ton of those. Like, man, like I said, you thought Game of Thrones was bad? No, like this, this is pretty bad. <laughs> H- HBO doesn't, HBO really doesn't hold any punches. Like I said, if you're a huge fan of like his- historical sci-fi shows, horror shows, drama, you'll definitely, definitely like this show a lot. And it's only like, like we said, ten episodes an hour each. You can, you can do it. Yeah, um, my final thoughts for this is I really, I really love this TV show. I think it's really good. It's just like the thing that is a little kind of like what makes me hesitate is that it's so intense. Like it's Mm -hmm. so, so intense. Like Game of Thrones was intense, right? But I feel like for different reasons. 
Like, yeah. for this show, it's, like, su- as intense as Game of Thrones, and then you add racism to it, you know? And then it just makes mm-hmm. it so hard to, like, sit through and watch and, like... And, 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 and like, it's, it's a show that is like, I would recommend people not to binge it, um, because your head will hurt, you know, um, trying to Mm -hmm. think about all this stuff and trying to process all these things. And so I kind of wish I wasn't binging it (laughs) because when I watched it, I sat down and watched two episodes to, um, I think one night I even watched three episodes at a time, you know? Um, and so that's just a lot, it's just a lot to like process and think through um and it's definitely one of those shows that like needs to be watched again just because it's again so so intense um and there's so many things that i feel like i've missed and haven't been able to think about as much i love it and i would recommend it in a heartbeat take it with a grain of salt because it's also you know like very graphic (laughs) very graphic (laughs) yeah very graphic so um like we said if you don't have um the tenacity no the resi- something if you don't have that you don't have enough sanity <laughs> you don't have enough seriously like sanity is a huge thing if you don't have enough sanity to handle it like i, I don't blame you like this show is pretty difficult to get through. yeah so that's it for this episode of um the outside story love in the lovecraft thanks again so much for tuning in and sitting down and talking with us if you watched Lovecraft, we would also Lovecraft countries in 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 particular. We would love to hear what you think about it. Um, I love talking about these things with um, with my friends as well. Um, so definitely hit us up and um, let us know what you think. If you disagree with us, if you have different opinions, or you're just like, oh my gosh, why did you talk about this one thing? Then uh, definitely let us know. Next week we're going to be talking about zombies. And so, um, if you like zombies, I mean, I don't love zombies, but if you like zombies or if they scare you, definitely come and join us. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite films of all time that I like watched for this podcast. And so I'm really excited (laughs) to talk about it. So definitely, um, tune in next time. Larry, what are we going to be talking about next week specifically for zombies? All right. So next week we're talking about five films. The, the biggest list we've had so far for this for this episode um, <laughs> or for this special. Uh, so we're talking about Night of the Living Dead, the 1968 version. So the very first one that came out. Train to Busan that came out in 2016. Peninsula, the sequel that released this year in 2020. Zombieland Double Tapped that released last year. And One Cut of the Dead, a uh, Japanese indie film. So we're talking about those five films. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.